0: I appreciate you setting the stage for that. So, like, I want to get a couple of things in context as we're talking. Let's, let's go avoidance of black voting. So, on the one hand, we've got to talk about the history of how we got to this moment because, you know, we're in this very anti CRT, anti history moment. So, I want the audience to really be able to get the benefit of why he's uh, coming to this conversation where I'm coming from. So, we start at, you know, discussions around chattel slavery and how so much of America's incubation has been kind of in this crucible of oppression right? and so we have all of these multiple marginalized groups and peoples who are coming to this land first the indigenous who were already here right are supplanted and, and driven in through genocide and threats of violence by the colonizers who come here and clear the land take so many of the people away in this this is you know this birth in blood that happens in this country right and as a result of the the, the uh, transatlantic slave trade and individuals who were brought here forced to come here chains to toward the land 400 years of oppression, so much deeply rooted trauma that happens as a result of that. And and, and and then out of that trauma comes things like, you know, the 13th, 14th, 15th amendments to the Constitution, the Emancipation Proclamation before that, uh, various uh, struggles for fights and, and fights for liberation from indigenous people, other peoples on the land for yeah. a long period of time. So there's a long, long um, history that we've got to talk about before we even get to the struggle for enfranch- enfranchisement in voting, right. particularly for black people. But now that we're here and we're talking about that after the Emancipation Proclamation, 13, 14, 15th Amendment, black men specifically having the, uh, the the right, quote unquote, to vote in the United States, but really not really having the opportunity. Because especially in the South, you might try to exercise that right. right. And you might very, very well be risking your life. Right. Anyway, so. And uh, so, after the period of Reconstruction, where there are some gains and some opportunities, some Black people even get elected to public office in, in deep Southern states like Mississippi and Alabama right. and Georgia and those places. Uh, but there's this ongoing struggle, right. and what we see is in the aftermath of the Civil War, right? There's this massive backlash right. to try to to limit the uh, the opportunities that are available during the Reconstruction period. And so for many years after that, the, 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 the Jim Crow laws and the and the, and the, cl- the codes that basically govern the function of the behavior of black people, both in the South and in the North, are really putting pressure on those rights and responsibilities that we have around voting. And so there's this ambivalence right. that is constantly happening around black men and then later black women after the signing of, uh, of the, the 19th Amendment, where white women get the right to vote, black women are really able to try to push... And get some gains and opportunities to demand that their rights be heard as well in the 1920s so fast forward we are uh, uh, in this moment of the 1960s where these these struggles over civil rights and human rights and segregation and all of those things really starting in their impetus in the 1950s with the brown versus board of education decision that seeks to desegregate schools and public accommodations uh, and later the Montgomery Bus Boy concert. And shout out to Montgomery who is still in the news now. Right. You know. You, if you see if you see a folding chair and you don't think Montgomery, you're missing out on your opportunity. Uh, but so many. We gotta leave that at Montgomery. <laughs> not, 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 the, not the Montgomery ball, but right like I want, I wanna bring something up about that. that yeah. just when I think about organizing. That's like top tier for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, top tier, top, top tier. But these ongoing struggles, and some of this stuff is, you know, heavy. And, you know, we're talking about fights and struggles, Mm -hmm. and liberation, but we're also talking about black look, black joy, liberation, and the rise of blues and rise of jazz and and house music and bounce music and all of these forms of hip hop. Shout out to hip hop 50 years. I mean, that's an amazing milestone for our people to celebrate and our contributions to be acknowledged. But we got all of these things in the mixing bowl. Yeah. And all of these things, to, to, to go back to the to metaphor about, about the gumbo. all of this is in the gumbo. The rule of, of enslavement and segregation and, and all of the other forms of, of, of oppression and, 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 and disappointment and frustration, but they are the base of what make our country what it is and the base of the wealth upon which the country was built. And the power dynamics yeah. that black people have played a role in and been leveraged and a part of, are critically important in so many of those social movements, uh, and thus, just you know, just here in the United States, not to mention the, the global movements for liberation all over the world. And so, we're in this moment now, you know, in the aftermath of the Obama presidency, which took a long time to get here in 2008, but finally, you know, change has come to America, which right. was a wonderful pronouncement of hope and change from the Obama uh, presidency. But also, you know, we see that the hood still look the same as it did, you right. claro. Multiple generations before and right. even thereafter. So we got we got many many challenges that we face within the Black community that are often uh, connected to this issue of class and not just race. And yeah. so working class and poor Black folk are treated with a particular amount of caste caste system right here in the United States. Right, and we see that uh, as evidenced in the ways in which many Black communities are disinvested in, disempowered, underutilized, and under underdeveloped. Uh, and and certainly uh, in in some ways are subjected to predatory investment. We saw that in the aftermath of the 2020 tornado during the height of the uprisings that were happening in the country. They're talking about that happening in Hawaii now. Absolutely. So we see the same kind of predatory uh, efforts being made to to displace uh, the indigenous folks from the island and then take over the land uh, by colonizers. So we saw some of those same dynamics at play. In March of 2020, after those tornadoes in North and East Nashville, exactly. folks were coming in and seeing people in a vulnerable position, offering them money right. and saying, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you to be able to you know, start over again. But if you get a small amount of money, there's nowhere in Nashville now that you can live with that amount of money that they were offering. Right. And so groups like the Equity Alliance and Stand Up Nashville, shout out to Odessa Kelly and those folks over there who saw what was happening in their Don't Sell Out North initiative and say, hey, listen, you don't have to sell your home right away. We can, we can try to help you to triage and provide support mm-hmm. until FEMA and some of the government agencies can come in and provide you with some additional support. So there are so many factors that have impacted the lives of Black people. So it's important that we use whatever tool is in our toolbox to make sure that black people feel connected to the process of civic engagement are not being just impacted by Mm -hmm. uh, these systems and structures and institutions and individuals, but have a way to engage with that process that gives them the sense of empowerment that they truly and rightfully have. Uh, So we should be engaging in whatever way that's possible. That looks like voting, right? It looks like organizing through a community lens or through individual organizations coming together and coalitions being built. It looks like making sure that we are restoring and addressing the issues. Uh, And then the impacts individually on the lives, particularly of poor and working class folks and indigenous folks and and immigrants to the community, because we talk about black voters, we often talk about black American folks. but We don't want to leave out our folks from the Caribbean, and our folks from the continent who are part of this discussion in this in this process as well. And so we've got to understand that there there are both and proposition. Right. We should be looking at this. And I think that this is a a, a dual tiered strategy that I, I learned in some of the organizing spaces that I've been a part of. Just like in history when it took, you know, an Emancipation Proclamation, and we also had Harry Tubman out there at the same time with the Underground Railroad, right? We got to have an Emancipation Proclamation where we address issues of policy Mm -hmm. and change some of the policies and structures within our government and our institution. We also gotta have an Underground Railroad where we free our people by any means.